Hello, Monetization Nation. It used to be that only big companies with big budgets and professional videographers could use video for advertising. Now, nearly anyone with a smartphone can make great videos, and nearly everyone has access to high-speed internet connections and a device where they can watch those videos at any time. Furthermore, video is usually much more engaging than long pages of text. Because of this democratization of video, we've seen a huge tectonic shift towards video marketing. There is no other form of communication that trumps in-person, face-to-face communication. But that kind of communication isn't always possible. Video is the next best option. It allows us to closely replicate face-to-face communication in many ways. We can see facial expressions and body language and bring those elements into a conversation in a scalable way. According to HubSpot, 78% of people watch online videos every week and 55% view online videos every day. Some would even say that video is better than face-to-face communication because videos can be recorded once, uploaded to the internet, and then be available nearly anytime, anywhere. This can give video communication much more reach than face-to-face communication, which is limited by our location and our time. Because of this reach and engagement of video, it is a force multiplier, which we'll talk about in another blog. In this episode, I interviewed Benton Crane, who is the CEO of Harmon Brothers, the amazing ad agency behind the most viral ads in internet history. In 2011, he was hired by Deloitte, where he served as a consultant with various clients across the national intelligence community. He was the co-founder of VidAngel. In 2013, Benton joined the newly formed Harmon Brothers for a campaign to promote Poopery, an amazing ad that transformed the way products are marketed. You would not believe the mother load I just dropped. And that's how I like to keep it, leaving not a trace that I was ever here, let alone that I just birthed a creamy behemoth from my cavernous bowels. Nothing is worse than stinking up the shared toilet at work, or the toilet at a party, or your lover's apartment. Of course, flushing removes the graphic evidence. Maybe two or three flushes if your skid marks are as tenacious as mine. But what can be done of that subtle scent of a... 300 cow dairy farm. Aerosol air fresheners aren't the most effective option, or the healthiest. Trying to mask the stench, giving you a nice blend of chemlab carnations with just a touch of feces. So, how do you make the world believe your poop doesn't stink? Or in fact, that you never poop at all? Poopery. Poopery is the before-you-go toilet spray that has proven to trap those embarrassing odors at the source and save relationships. Simply spritz poopery in the bowl to create a film on the water's surface that actually traps the odours in their porcelain prison. And when your little astronauts splash down and make contact with the film, they release poopery's pleasant aromas so all those around you can smell as a refreshing bouquet of essential oils. Yes, it is a real product. And yes, it really works. We've sold over four million bottles. On Amazon alone, there are over 1,000 reviews rating it 4.8 of 5 stars. That's a better Amazon rating than the iPhone 5. If it doesn't completely stop your stench from spreading, send it back for a full refund. Our unconditional stink-free guarantee. If your poo stinks, click here to get your poopery today at poopery.com. 
So whether you need to pinch a loaf at work, cut a rope at a party, or lay a brick at your boyfriend's, your days of embarrassing smells or prairie-dogging it are over. Poopery. Our business is to make it smell like your business never even happened. Harmon Brothers went on to produce the most viral ads in internet history, including Squatty Potty, Fiber Fix, Aura Brush, Purple, and Poopery. Benton will share his stories and secrets with us right after this intro. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Benton. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. How are you? I am doing great. Congratulations on the wild success that you guys have had at Harmon Brothers. Well, thank you. Ben Crane is the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Um, they're the ad agency behind the most viral ads in internet history. Uh, he's the co-founder of VidAngel. He studied economics at BYU. You have uh, an associates in automotive technology as well. That would be interesting to talk about. Yep. Um, you speak Portuguese. We'll say follow Portuguese. É verdade, follow. Mas não muito bem. And uh, from your bio, it says that you believe in bringing excellence into everything you do. Uh, you started your career as an automotive repair mechanic. You were honored as the number one student mechanic in Utah and number two in the nation. You have a knack for diagnosing and solving problems, which led you to studying economics and data analytics. In 2011, you were hired by Deloitte in Washington, D.C., where you served as a consultant with various clients across national national intelligence community. In 2013, you joined the newly formed Harmon Brothers for a campaign to promote Poopery, mm -hmm. which is an amazing ad, by the way. I love that one. Thank you. An internet that which was an internet ad that transformed the way products are marketed. Harmon Brothers went on to produce the most viral ads in internet history, including uh, uh, Squatty Potty, Fiber Fix, Aura Brush, Poopery, purple and, and many others. So I love that you started off in automotive and you love that you, you discovered that you love to, um, to solve problems, to, to mm. diagnose and solve mm. those problems. And then you realized how to do that in a business world. I think the other really important thing that, that, that taught me was the value of being passionate about the work that you're doing. Yes. Um, so as a high schooler, I remember I came home from school. This was like midway through my junior year. I came home from school and I vented to my dad. I said something to the effect of, you know, I just feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel like this is just daycare for the teenagers. I want to be doing something more. I want to be, you know, doing something that I care about. And of course I was expecting my dad to respond with, you know, like, Oh, just stick it out. You know, school's important, you know, that sort of thing. And, he didn't. Instead, he gave me this answer that just shocked me. He was like, if you got a problem with it, do something about it. You know, if you don't like school, leave, go do something better. And, 
And that kind of like, it was almost like a slap across the face that kind of like woke me up. And I was like, wait, what do I want to be, you know, focusing my time on? And at that point in my life, cars was what I was most passionate about. Um, you know, I was buying old cars and fixing them up and selling them. And I, I was reading Motor Trend ma magazine every issue from cover to cover because I just loved cars. And so I, I went to the local, um, uh, the, the local university, or I guess at the time it was uh, Utah Valley State College. Now it's Utah Valley University. Um, and I signed up for their automotive repair courses and just loved it. I was learning so much. I was so passionate about what I was doing. And, and my professor saw that in me and he invited me to go compete. And I, I won at the school level. And then they sent me to Salt Lake to compete at the state level. And I won there. And then they sent me to Kansas City to compete at the national level. And I, I took second place in the nation. And um, so it was really funny that I dropped out of high school to pursue what I was passionate about. And of course, from all outward, you know, looking, uh, uh, I guess the viewpoint from the outside looking in was that I was abandoning, you know, a promising future by staying in school and pursuing this, you know, dead end career of fixing cars. But the reality was that I was pursuing a passion and that was lighting a fire in me and causing me to excel at something versus doing something where I'm just going through the motions. Uh, I want to talk about the first tectonic shift. And that shift is connecting with your customers, your potential target audience uh, through passion, through their highest level passion. And the issue here is it used to be there weren't very many TV stations. It used to be there there weren't very many stores to go to. You know, we were limited by what was in our geographic area. There weren't a lot of choices for entertainment and e-commerce. And, and today is very different. For every dollar that I have, or for every hour that I have available, there's a thousand good things that I would like to do with that dollar or that hour. And our customers are the same way. And so being good is not good enough right? Because we're, we become one of a thousand if we create a good product for our customers. We have to understand what the highest level, we call them level 10 passions are, of our customers. And then we have to build our business around those level 10 passions, build our products and our marketing and our messaging around that. I'm wondering if you have any stories for us of, of how, you, how you guys have done that. You talked about your passion and, and pursuing your passion personally in what you pursued. How do you do that for customers? How do you find their passion and develop products and messaging and, and a business around that passion? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me, uh, here's a story that I'll, I'll share with you. This goes right along with the theme of you know, tectonic shifts that this one is specifically about a tectonic shift that happened in the advertising industry. Okay. And, and I think it'll be very pertinent to what, to what you're working on. So when Google bought YouTube prior to that purchase, YouTube was not a business platform. It was not an advertising platform. It was just simply a streaming video platform where people could share their videos 
and it you know it largely consisted of you know cat videos and yeah. and you know funny viral videos that people would share around the internet right and google and saw it was losing a lot of money that's right but google saw the number of eyeballs that were going to that platform and they knew that it had the potential to become an amazing advertising platform and so they paid 1.6 billion dollars for it which I don't know if you remember the news at the time, most people thought they were crazy for paying $1.6 billion for this, you know, money losing uh, video platform. But right at the time that they bought that and decided to turn it into a, an advertising platform, um, one of my business partners, Jeff Harmon, was right in the midst of launching some video ads for a tiny little startup called Aura Brush, which was a tongue brush that you would scrub your, your tongue with to get rid of bad breath. And um, he created this two and a half minute ad, which in the world of advertising was a total odd duck length of, of ad. Like you either do infomercials, you know, are 30 minutes long, or you do these 30 second spots that, you know, you, you run, you know, in a TV commercial break. But he had this two and a half minute length ad and he started showing it to people, myself included. And the universal feedback that he was getting was, it's too long. You've got to make it 30 seconds. If you can't say it in 30 seconds, then it, it, it's not going to work. I even gave him that feedback. Well, he reached out to YouTube and he said, can you guys give me a skip button? I want to test this out where I give people an ad to watch. And if they want to watch it, they watch it. If they don't want to watch it, they skip it. And YouTube goes, hmm, that's an interesting idea. Let's test it. And so YouTube built a skip button specifically for this Aura Brush ad. Wow. And that, Jeff didn't have any idea at the time of how big and how impactful that tiny little thing, that tiny little skip button would be. But if you look back now, I think there are very few things that have been more impactful in, in the last decade in the world of advertising. Can you share with me some secrets or stories about why video is a tectonic shift? Yeah, well, maybe I could, uh, maybe I could just give a little commentary and a little thought on, on, on what you're saying and then we'll see if it leads into a specific story or not. Um, so, Video is not new. The tectonic shift is the democratization of video, of making it accessible to the masses so that a brand new entrepreneur launching a brand new startup has the ability to use video, whereas a decade or two ago, only the big brands with the big budgets had yeah. access to video. And so now I with your iPhone or any device, you can make acceptable videos, that's true. That's right. So I, I think that's a key distinction when you talk about video as a, as a tectonic shift. I think it's actually the, the, the democratization of it. Um, but in terms of the effectiveness of video and why it's such a, an important and an essential tool, I think when it comes right down to it, there's never going to be any form of communication that trumps face-to-face -face communication where we can look each other in the eyes and talk to each other and interact with each other and, um, 
and, and when I say face-to-face, -face, I'm talking about in-person face-to-face communication. I, I don't think there will ever be a more effective way to communicate with each other than through that one-on-one face-to-face um, communication. But absent that type of communication, the next best thing is video, right? It's what allows us to replicate most closely that face-to-face -face, uh, communication where we get to see facial expressions, we get to see emotions, we get to see body language, we get to um, bring all of those elements into the conversation and we can do it in a scalable way, which of course face-to-face -face could never scale, video can. And the argument against that would be, well, if you write it, then it can be indexed in Google and be, be more easily found through SEO. But the response to that is now YouTube is the number two search engine. Can, can you share with me a few stories that you've seen of, of businesses that have effectively leveraged video to transform their organizations? Yeah, we can... Uh... I could talk stories all, all day long. Um, maybe we could talk about Squatty Potty. Okay. So Squatty Potty is a really interesting one because they had gone on Shark Tank and they were already a successful business. They were doing, if I remember correctly, around $4 million per year selling these Squatty Potty stools. But the interesting thing about it was that the vast majority of their customer base were these 55 plus year old um, uh, largely women um, who were often suffering from, you know, some sort of um, medical condition, oftentimes constipation, IBS, you know, all these different, you know, embarrassing conditions. And so they would find out about the Squatty Potty and learn that it could make their life better. And so they would get it as a solution and it would be life-changing for them as a solution, but it was still so embarrassing that they would go hide it in the master bathroom so that they would never have to talk to anyone about it so that they would never have to explain why there's this funny stool by by their toilet and when we did that campaign we went into it asking ourselves how could we make such a taboo and such a sensitive such a personal topic how could we make it safe so that people can actually talk about it and actually even laugh about it right and, and so that was where the idea of ice cream came from. We were saying, what's the, the, you know, the last thing on earth, the furthest thing on earth from poop? What is something that's, instead of stinky and gross, what is something that's desirable and delicious, right? And that's where this idea of ice cream came from. And then once we had the idea for ice cream, we're like, okay, where does the ice cream come from? And as we started brainstorming different ideas, we quickly realized that if you use anything that's even closely tied to reality, it becomes gross. You know, you can't use a real animal or a real creature because then it's gross. We had to go into the mythical world to take you out of the grossness of reality and into this make-believe world where everything you see is beautiful. Everything you see is safe. And, um, then the, the next hurdle, so once we, once we had the idea for ice cream that came from a unicorn, we started brainstorming how to present that. And we started out by envisioning this like food truck parked on the corner of a, of a you know, New York City block. 
And on this food truck is this giant unicorn, like, you know, the size of a Clydesdale horse or something. It's this ice cream machine that literally pipes ice cream out of the butt of the, of the unicorn. And then, you know, feeding these ice cream cones to, you know, to passerbys in the, in the street. Looking back now, we're like, man, that was a terrible idea. That, <laughs> that would have just been disturbing, you know, to see this, uh, you know, Clydesdale type, uh, type unicorn pooping ice cream. Um, but one of our writers, Dave Vance, came up with the idea to bring the prince and put this unicorn into a medieval, you know, almost fairy tale land. And so that was, once again, we're removing it one more step from reality so that it, it becomes safer. And, um, and that was kind of like the final piece of the puzzle that we needed to bring the whole thing together. And then Daniel worked with the puppet designer, Chris Hansen, to, to make a very cute and approachable. So instead of like a Clydesdale horse, we ended up with more almost like a gerbil uh, looking unicorn. Uh, so that it's very cute, very, uh, very approachable. And by doing all the, those things, now we took the taboo and the grossness out of the subject and made it totally approachable, made it fun, made it funny. And so now instead of everyone hiding their squatty potty in the master bathroom so that no one ever has to talk about it, people will stick it right in the guest bathroom and put it there with pride knowing that their guests are going to go in there and one, they're going to have a better experience and two, they're going to come out and they're going to laugh and have a conversation about it. And so the key takeaway from that very successful story would be? Um, I, think, I think the key takeaway there was that we used video to tell the story in a unique and funny way that made it safe and made it approachable. And by doing so, it massively expanded the audience of customers to whom Squatty Potty could sell these stools. Yep. And that fundamentally changed the, their business and their lives even. You know, you think about it as an entrepreneur, when your business has a massive breakthrough, it's life-changing. Yep. I love that focus on making your customers' life, lives better. Uh, talk to me about distribution. You created this amazing video. You obviously hit a home run on the video. How did you get it out there? How did you reach the target audience of, of the customer, of the client? Yeah, it's funny because everyone knows us as the viral video guys. When people reach out to us, they always ask, hey, can you make me a viral video? But, you know, the dirty little secret, it's not so secret, you know, we talk about it all the time, is that really only a tiny handful of our videos have ever gone quote unquote viral. And Squatty Potty was one of those that did go viral. But here's the interesting thing. If you look at all the different variations of that video on all the different platforms, Facebook and, and YouTube and everywhere else, it's been viewed well over a quarter billion times. You know, it's probably around 300 million times that video has been viewed. But here's the simple truth. If we had just put it out there and just relied on the virality of it, we probably would have got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 15 million views, which is awesome, right? Like, you know, any business would just go head over heels to have, you know, a video that gets millions of views. That's a really big deal. Yep. But when you think about the difference between call it 10 to 15 million views, if we had only relied on virality versus 300 million views that so, or somewhere in that neighborhood that it has today, that's a massive, massive difference. 
And the, the key here is that we don't actually rely on, on virality for our campaigns to be successful. Instead, we rely on a simple formula that says, if our clients spend a dollar to drive advertising to this video, they should get back $2 in revenue or whatever number it happens to work out to, you know, for that business. For some it's $2 for other it's, you know, $1.50 or whatever. Um, the point is money in revenue comes back out and it becomes a machine that generates revenue and awareness for the company so that they can use that machine for weeks or months or sometimes years to drive business results and to drive awareness. And that's how purple, for instance, you know, our purple campaign has probably been viewed over 500 million times and it never went viral. Okay. So let me go back and restate this because I want to make sure that the listeners understand this. This point you just said is a tectonic shift. This is one of the most important marketing principles that anybody can understand right now. And it's this, this understanding the difference between the cost per acquisition and the cost, the revenue per customer, right? And if you can get your cost per acquisition to be double or triple what your revenue per, per uh, customer is, sorry, if you get your revenue to be double or triple what your cost is, then you really don't have an advertising budget, right? You, if I gave you, if you gave me a dollar and I gave you $3 back, right? You do that all day long. And right. our clients rarely, rarely ever have advertising budgets. Instead, they just have guardrails and say, yeah. as long as we're within this constraint, we'll spend everything you can spend, yeah, then, then the sky's the limit pedal you to the metal. Spend a million dollars and make $3 million. You'll do that all day long. That's right. That, that is a really core concept for people to understand. Would you tell me the poopery story? Uh, poopery story. So, um, Jeff, um, and Neil and Daniel were all working at Aura Brush. Um, that's where they kind of pioneered YouTube video marketing. Yeah. And I was working in Washington DC as a data analyst and, um, Squatty Potty saw what they had done for Aura Brush and the founder, um, Susie Batiz uh, started reaching out to Jeff. Um, it, she described it as she LinkedIn stalked him. Um, and initially, um, he kind of kept ignoring her messages, you know, because he kept hearing about this poopery thing and that, you know, it's hard to take something serious when somebody's talking about anything with poop, right? right. And um, eventually, she ended up sending him samples. And he, he took those samples home and tried them out. And um, <laughs> he, he, I remember him telling me, he's like, I pooped with the door open and my wife couldn't smell it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, this stuff really works. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I was out in Washington DC and he called me and he told me about it. And he's like, I'm thinking about leaving Aura Brush to go do this poopery campaign. This thing is legit, it really works. And, um, and I was a huge fan of, of the work that they had done at Aura Brush. And I knew that, um, that they were really pioneering the future of advertising and I wanted to be a part of it. And so when he told me that, I immediately was like, 
man, let me join up. I'll jump on. I'll help you with this. Um, I'll bring the data analytics side of this. And I remember that kind of caught him by surprise a little bit, you know, because I had a, you know, a well-established job at Deloitte and I, I had a great career and everything. And I was immediately ready to, uh, you know, to jump ship to go join him. And he was like, whoa, okay, let, let's do this. And so he went and recruited Neil and Daniel and, and they all left Orabrush and I left Deloitte and, and we joined up to do the, the Poopery campaign. And what year was that? This was in 2013. Okay. And the first people who I showed it to were my in-laws. So keep in mind, I had just moved my family across the country um, and left a very stable job to, to go sell poop spray. And I showed my in-laws the commercial and they were utterly appalled. Like they did not crack a smile. They didn't laugh. I think I got like two minutes in and then I finally just turned it off and I told them, if you haven't laughed yet, you're probably not going to. And, and so in this moment, I'm sitting here thinking, what have I just done with my life? Yep. And I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> but then we launched it, you know, we went public with it and the public reception was the exact opposite of how my in-laws received it. Um, and, and the public just ate it up and it took off and went like wildfire. And, and so now I look back at that decision to leave Deloitte and join up with Jeff and Neil and Daniel as, you know, probably one of the most key and critical decisions of my whole entire career. And I'm just so grateful every day that, you know, I, I made that decision because it's been so awesome since. Um, what are a couple of your key takeaways of building an effective script? If you had to say, here's your three secrets to building a great script, what advice would you give? Yeah, so an effective script is going to have all the elements of a great sale. It's going to have your hook, your problem, your solution, your call to action, build credibility, overcome concerns, and then finish with, a, with another call to action. All of those elements are going to be there in a very effective script. The way to make sure that it's effective is the research that you put in to understand what part of my message is it that really resonates with my audience? And then make sure that your script focuses on those parts that really resonate. And so that's the process that we teach is how to do that research and how to do the behind the scenes work to make sure that the right pieces end up in that script. Thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom. This is going to help a lot of people and hopefully it sends some good business to your direction too. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much, Benton, for sharing your stories and secrets. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, video marketing is a massive tectonic shift and a huge opportunity for businesses that we should be leveraging effectively. Number two, we may consider using video to tell the ad story in a unique and funny way that makes the product or service safe, fun, and approachable. Number three, try to create a viral ad, but don't rely just on virality. Instead, try to create an advertising money machine that earns us a profit on each dollar we spend and gives us an almost unlimited advertising budget. Number four, ask what part of my message is it that really resonates with my audience? Make sure the script focuses on the parts that resonate. Number five, focus our time on the things we love and our chance of excelling will increase. Did you like today's episode? 
then please follow these channels to receive more free digital monetization content. Number one, get a free monetization assessment of your business at monetizationnation.com forward slash assessment. Number two, subscribe to the Monetization e-magazine for free at monetizationnation.com forward slash e-magazine. Number three, subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel or podcast. Number four, follow Monetization Nation on Instagram. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies we have never before implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. Do you have any tips and tricks about successful video marketing? Please join our Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for watching or listening. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.